Help Jews in Poverty at HelpJewsNow.org. Your $25 gift today will help provide a life-saving food box to Jews in need. Be a blessing right now. Visit HelpJewsNow.org. That's HelpJewsNow.org. Welcome to the Black Canadian Content Creators Podcast, a show where we focus on celebrating content creators who live or born in Canada and identify as Black, African, Caribbean, mixed, or Afro-Canadians. I'm your host, Shirley Joseph. This podcast delivers the content creators you need to know, their beginning, their lessons, and what they share in the digital realm. Today, I'll be speaking to one of the members of BCANCC, Chantal Smith Amsterdam. She's the brand strategist and founder of NiriMagazine.com. Niri Magazine's platform is a showcase of renegades, originators, and road pavers who soar to new heights. They shine a light on greatness and celebrate the innovation of people of color from around the globe. Through the magazine, Chantal and her collaborators convert contexts of activism, wellness, entertainment, travel, culinary arts, business, fashion, spirituality, and yes, of course, visual arts. I'm super excited about this conversation and I really hope you enjoy what we're talking about right here on the Black Canadian Content Creators Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm so excited. This is the second episode of Black Canadian Content Creators Podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm excited to have with us Chantal Smith Amsterdam. How are you, Chantal? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for accepting my invitation. We've 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 had so many back and forth. We've seen each other at a workshop. I know we spoke beef way before. Um, Chantal is actually part of the of the group. Um, so this is a great way, you know, this space, this podcast really is to help showcase that there are amazing content creators who are of the melanated kind in Canada doing, you know, great, great work in the digital realm. And uh, I figured to invite Chantal because I think what you're doing with um, nearymagazine.com is really interesting. And but before we get in, uh, into what you do as a content creator, I'd love I want the folks to get to know you a little bit more. So growing up, where, you know, what were you like growing up? What were you into? What was the thing that you said? This is what I want to be growing up. Oh, man. Uh, so growing up, I was very creative. Uh, I was a single child. Uh, to a single parent. So I spent lots of time by myself. Um, and I was always, you know, creating things. I was making up songs. I was having parties with my toys. I was making toys. I was making clothes for my Barbies. I taught myself so many things. Like I taught myself how to braid. There's no one in my family who knows how to braid. So I was, I think I was a very creative child. And, um, one thing I wanted to be when I grew up was a fashion designer. 
And um, I think I had an appreciation at a very young age that clothing or the way someone dressed affected how they felt and also affected how people felt about them. And I liked the idea. It wasn't about making clothes for myself at a young age. It was making clothes that made other people look good and feel good. I really read that. I don't know why, but that registered to me at a very young age, maybe like seven years old. Really? Was it um, watching TV shows or a magazine that kind of made you think that? It was just kind of naturally just the way that you you thought. You know what it was? It was, I mean, I loved dolls. So that party probably had a lot to do with it. But um, it, I remember watching Dynasty with my mom. Do you remember that show? Oh my gosh, yes. The and it was like, one. yeah, it was an 80s show for those of you who don't know. And um, the stars were always impeccably dressed. Like That's they so were wealthy true. and they were just like, it was the era of the shoulder pads and the sequins and the dramatic makeup and the big hair. <laughs> and it was, my mother is not a very reactionary person. She doesn't react much to things. And she, every time one of the stars walked into the room, she'd be like, Oh, look at that dress. Look at her. Woo! <laughs> like she had, she was so expressive. And so I love the reaction that, you know, my mother had, but I also loved the way the characters um, walked into the room. They had swag. You know, You're right. <laughs> They're so, like, move. I am yeah, here. I, Every I single I, one of them. Exactly. So I really, I don't know, it resonated with me. And I was like, I want to be the person who makes those clothes. I want to be the person who has that power. And it's just funny to me how I never thought of myself as being the person to wear the clothes. Mm. I just always thought, of myself as someone to dress the people. So just, yeah. So yeah, I've always wanted to be a designer. That it's it's funny you say that. I that's a very designer mind. You know, like um, it's really about like I want to make, make people feel good and and look good and 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 they don't really think of themselves too much. It's true. Yeah, and. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm only realizing it right now at this moment, but that kind of translates into a lot of the things that I do. Um, it's really about making other people look good and feel good. Yeah. And yeah, I feel, I, I actually feel accomplished when I do that. So yeah, I guess it started, started a long time ago. Who's your favorite uh, fashion designer? Uh, I have so many. I love uh, uh, I love Givenchy mm -hmm. for like really classic gowns and like just that old Hollywood look and I like that. Um, but I love uh, Christian Lacroix is also someone who stands out. Um, I've always been a fan of Chanel. Mm -hmm. I love Chanel stuff. I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm a classic girl. Mm -hmm. I like that. I'm funky. You would never know because you would never know that I love fashion by looking at me. I don't shop. <laughs> My clothes are like a mishmash. I'm super artsy fartsy. And yeah, but uh, definitely. Um, yeah, I love I love like uh, the old houses, the old couture houses, but there's some really new people out that are awesome. So um, there's this 
one lady, she's from Toronto and she's Hendrix Rowe. I don't know if you've seen her stuff. No. Fantastic. Her stuff fantastic. I discovered her a couple of years ago. I was a art director on a, a fashion shoot, a photo shoot. And it was just all her clothing and her stuff was just fabulous. It's very, it's, it's rock and roll meets old Hollywood Ooh. and it's super colorful and vibrant and just, uh, yeah. If you look her up, she's fantastic. She dresses a lot of people. She's dressed uh, Cardinal Fischel. Um, Nene Amerlees is one of her favorite models. Hendrix so, Rowe. Hendrix Rowe. Yeah. Check her out. So, so what you, you spoke about classic and it's funny because you you mentioned about helping people look good so that's why you're you seem to be you fell into branding and I guess we'll we'll get into that but what type of content do you create so you create like video blog posts articles well it started it's definitely predominantly visual mm -hmm. I have a fine arts background so um you know it, it stemmed from there and then it went into graphic design uh, then I studied websites. Um, I dabble in photography. Well, actually, I guess I would call myself a, I don't want to say self-taught because I'm still learning, but uh, I think I'm more of a photographer, but I'm getting into video and video editing. Okay. So I love shooting video, but now I'm getting into telling the stories through editing. My husband handles most of that, but he's teaching me and I've done a couple of things on my own. So it's predominantly visual, but I discovered also that I'm a writer. So I write fairly well. And um, so it's, it's, it's a mix of all those things. I think the perfect method is video because it gives you the sound, yeah. you the visual. Uh, if you want stills, you can get your stills from, your, from that as well. And it's just, it's so versatile. Um, you can get different kinds of content from video. Um, but it's really what what I feel will speak to the person's target audience the best. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for some people, it's audio, it's podcasting. Um, for some people, what they do is very visual. Right. So if they're artists, if they're designers, if they're, you know, stylists, makeup artists, that type of thing, then, um, yeah, I, I find their audience. Um, I find what's best in them. And then I create some sort of visual narrative and um, find the best way to distribute that to their audience. I think very, that's pretty very what cool. I do. And then so you are the founder of NiriMagazine.com. Um, who, yes. who or what influenced the creation of the magazine? Is it through what you're doing with helping people in terms of branding and, you know, what you talked about? you know, helping people with their audience and, and how to communicate or transcend their, their, their vision, whether it's through audio or video, like, was that part of the inspiration to nearymagazine.com or it was just something completely out of nowhere? I think Neary has always been in my heart and in my mind, but kind of in the back of the closet stored away. And I think what prompted me taking it out and really trying to get it going, and uh, I believe I started in 2017, um, was 
the fact that I was so revolted by what what black content was at the time on social media, especially um, so anything that was relevant to us was very stereotypical, mm. quite often very uh, negative or uh, degrading. And I have three boys. Um, and I'm fully aware that, you know, they are completely born into the internet age. So the internet is everything. What they see online is gospel. So and true. I was really concerned about the fact that our stories weren't being told. Our true stories weren't being told. And if stories about us were being told, they were being told by others. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like the existence or the perception or the awareness of who Black people were online was, it was being, the, the stories that were being told were the stories that reflected what people already believed about us. Mm -hmm. And I saw the internet as an opportunity for us to take control of our narratives and an opportunity for us to um, change everything. Because every, as you know, with online, anything online and with internet-based technology, changes in real life happen fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so I thought I saw it as a really powerful and pinnacle opportunity for us to create our own platforms to have our own voices, to enable other people's voices and other people's stories. But what was more powerful was that it was somewhere where people who weren't Black could find our narratives and find our stories and hear from us directly and speak to us directly. And that's something, and it was readily available across the globe. Yeah, for uh, sure. And that's, that's something that does not exist in the offline world. Yeah, I mean and so Neri was born. It Neri touches on um so I guess okay, the word Neri is a Hebrew word and it means uh a specific type of light. It's a light that reveals what is in darkness. So it's not like sunlight or the light from a candle. It's the word that you use for light that reveals what is hidden in darkness. And that's exactly what my magazine is that's what the purpose is it's about revealing oh, hold on a second yeah when her yeah think of it if i had to do if i had to summarize what it is in one sentence it's a, like a lifestyle magazine okay but its purpose is to attract people who are interested in different things but what they all have in common is their belief or their curiosity in the excellence of black people nice so if you're into sports but you love hearing about you know, the accomplishments of, you know, Black artists, Black uh, business people, Black inventors, Black writers. It's really just this forum and this platform for everything that's great about Black people to converge and for us to discover other things. So I will use art to draw people who are interested in art. 
uh, to expose them to uh, non-typical activism. I will use uh, people who are interested in fashion, their interests to attract them to Neri, to expose them to other points of interest. And it's just this one big meeting place. And I'm still, I'm just, I love the concept of it. It's, it's, it's my dream child. <laughs> I think what was exciting when we first spoke, um, I think it was over like over the phone or Skype or online or face, I think it was Facebook or FaceTime with Neri is, um, you know, when you threw a question at me, like, you know, name me some black artists, visual artists um, that are famous. And I was, and I was like, you know, we all say the typical, right? Jean-Michel Basquiat. And you're mm -hmm. like, okay, well, who else? And it's like, oh, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> and the crazy thing, the crazy thing about that is they are well-known, but they're not well-known by us. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, when I, when I talk to Black artists, and I sometimes I'm like, oh, this stuff is fantastic. Who is this person? And I find out this person has been painting for decades, and they've had shows everywhere. And they're heavily supported in other communities, like the white community or, you know, the European community or even the Asian community sometimes. They're like cult favorites in other communities, but we are oblivious to it. Wow. And, and I guess through Neary Magazine, that's what you're changing is for our community to know, like, do you think, here's the question, do you think our community doesn't know about these artists because of, you know, access, because when you think art, you think it's a lot of money, right? It's, it's like hundreds and thousands that you have to spend or, um, and I guess maybe too, at the same time, the, the possibility that as our community, we don't know about these artists is because there's not that many art galleries that's run by us. You know, it's these, the other communities, you know, whether it's white spaces, Asian spaces or whatever, that are the ones who are showcasing their art. And that's the reason why we don't know. I think the story with art is pretty much the story with everything that we do that is groundbreaking and original, unless, the people who are going to promote it are the people who are going to benefit from it. Um, so if you take the example of art, we don't sell our own art. It's quite rare. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times our, our artwork is sold by galleries that are not black owned and they don't, they, they don't know their, they don't know our market. They know their market. They know, they're attracted to our work. They're attracted to, you know, the uniqueness of our creativity. And they know other non-Blacks who are attracted to our work and our creativity. So that's who their market is and that's who they're going to talk to and that's who they're going to promote us to. Um, it's not necessarily going to be that, well, they'll look at it from the perspective of what does this work say about Black people and what does this work how, what kind of uh, effect is this work going to have on young Black children and how they think of themselves? And that's not the perspective of someone who isn't Black. Mm -hmm. So if they're not benefiting from the work in that way, then they're not going to promote it in that way. They'll promote it towards 
their own market and people who have the same interests as them, or they value the work, um, people who value the work the way they do. Someone who's white is not gonna value the fact that this picture of a black man standing on a mountain with a crown on his head and the light from the sky shining on him is gonna inspire young black boys to be great. That's not a perspective that white people will have. And it's the same thing with everything that we do. You know, um, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a writer, whether you're, if you aren't being promoted or distributed by someone who understands the value of what we do to our community, then chances are our community is not going to reap the benefits and they're not going to hear about it as much as they should. Mm -hmm. So how do we change that in, in our community? I guess spaces like yours, like with Neri Magazine, is, is one, definitely one of them. Well, yeah, I mean, we have to own our own media. At this point, it's, it's just picture, there's a, an entire auditorium filled with different groups of people, so different races of people, and the only people who have the megaphones who can speak above the noise are people who are not Black. So if we want messages to get out there, we have to trust someone else who isn't from our group to say what exactly what we want to say the way we want to say it. Mm -hmm. And where's the benefit in that for them? They might, if they're sympathetic to us, but they might look at us and say, okay, well, I'm going to tell this story the way I want to tell the story, because if I tell it this way, then the benefits will be towards my group. And so we have to get our own megaphones. We have to get our own platforms. We have to have our own news media. So when things happen, we're talking about the event from our perspective. We're not relying on someone else's voice to speak our truth. We need, whether it's websites, whether it's uh, podcasts, whether it's you know our own social media platform right. even. Um, we have counties. to have our own stage and our own media and our own way of communicating and voicing and uh, narrating our, our stories. This very true. This is awesome. Like this, um, I, I mean, I was going through your site and uh, looking at like, for example, in the black art section, I mean, you have black artist profiles like Kevin Williams Wack. Um, yes, he's awesome. <laughs> he's incredible. He's actually, uh, he's the first, uh, black artist that I ever discovered. I used to sell art back in Montreal online, um, in like 1990, 90, 98, 99. Okay. And, uh, I didn't, you know, it's funny because I was an artist. I studied fine art. I drew all the time, but I, I, I literally thought that I and the few people I knew in, in Montreal who were Black, I thought we were the only Black artists. When I found out that there was a world of Black artists out there, I just, it blew my mind. And it was his work that uh, that really it was the catalyst for all of this, for everything. Wow. It's beautiful art. I mean... And everyone, you have to go. If you go to nearymagazine.com, you'll see some of the art of um, my favorite one. Oh my gosh, that he has is the one with the black man who uh, is, you know, fishing. Uh, he's in the ocean and he and he he's fishing and he looks over down in the ocean and there are ships that are 
sailing towards him. And it's, I mean, just me, excuse me, talking about it right now, I have chills because it's his, like, ugh. His work is very evocative. It, it's, he tells your story with his artwork. And that's why we get chills because that piece in particular, he is a part of a series that he's been doing, I would say probably for at least the last year and a half. Mm. And it's a slavery series, but it's a quite often, for me, the most engaging pieces are the pieces that depict the first interactions of right. the slave masters. Yeah. So you know in that photo, just by the man's stance, because you don't even see his face because you're behind him. Right. But you can tell by the way he's holding the net and you can tell by his posture that he's never seen those ships before. Right. That's not a normal occurrence. So he doesn't know what they are. He's not afraid. But we, knowing what our history is and what's, uh, what's about to transpire, we know what those ships mean. And so it's this moment in time from the past that he's captured in the most amazing way. And you'd, all you can do is look and you're just wondering, like, what is he thinking? What is he thinking? Yeah. Like in our heads, we're like, run. But it's just, it's the beginning of our story in the rest of the world. It's, it's the, it's that one moment is, is the beginning of the diaspora. It's the beginning of all our complexities. It's the beginning of jazz. It's the beginning of our history in North America and, and, and all over the world outside of Africa, it's the beginning of the severance, like the separation from our culture and our heritage. You know, it's beginning of all the issues that stem from, from racism. And it's just, yeah, it's, 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 his stuff is beyond powerful. It's very hard to find words to describe how excellent and beautiful and creative uh, his his stories are, but that's a perfect example of our narrative. Yeah. Have if we didn't have a Kevin A. Williams, if we didn't have him, how would you ever? Uh, you know, when I interview artists, a lot of times, one of the reoccurring themes is that art never lies. Yes. I always ask them, why is art powerful? And they say because no matter what language you speak. Art never lies because it makes you feel something and people will never, you cannot, when they feel what you're saying, they know it's the truth. And you have, so go ahead. You, they have the ability to speak the, as artists, we have the ability to speak the truth by evoking emotion. Yeah. And it's, it's a very, there's nothing that, that's why art often is the catalyst for revolution. Art is the catalyst for, you know, social change or massive like reforms in governments and societies. It's a lot of that. It comes from art. And that is why a lot of governments try to suppress art and yeah. control. Art. Get rid of it and in schools. Yeah. And that is probably why we don't see a lot of our own art. Mm -hmm. Very true. I, and you have also you cover in, in on the website 
activism, you know, things like how to deal with sexism in your church. Ooh, ooh, that's a deep <laughs> one. <laughs> or where are the aunt aunties praying for white supremacists? That's an interesting article right there. It's a very interesting article. So yeah, I mean, it gets us thinking and it gets us appreciating ourselves. And that's what I want. At the end of the day, I wanted a platform where boys and girls could grow up and see who they really were and see stories and narratives and visuals that counteract what society and what our culture tells them that Black this is so great. And another passion you have is strategic content collaboration. Tell me more <laughs> about that. Like, how, how do you make content collaboration work for you? Well, as most of us know, when we're starting out, funds are limited. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't believe in doing anything for free. A lot of times, you know, we ask people if they'll donate or if they'll help or if they'll be willing to do this and that at no cost. But I don't believe in that because I feel like whether we intentionally want to or not, we're devaluing the other person's services. And I think if you find someone who has something that you need or has a service or product that you need in order to move forward, we are obligated as Black business owners, we are obligated as Black creatives who are trying to move forward to bring people with us. Mm. A lot of us aspire to have Black businesses or we think that the answer is, uh, you know, to start an amazing business owned by a Black person. But the goal is really a Black economy. It's not a Black business. You can't have one isolated Black business that's going to benefit all black people. You need a black economy. So we have to start thinking collaboratively. So things like, um, okay, say let's say there's an event. I'll use I'll use African Fashion Week as an example because it's really the the last major black cultural event. So I have a magazine, and um, you know I do have video equipment, and you know my husband is very well skilled, but Here's an opportunity for me to cover the event. And why not get a team of videographers and a photographer that don't always work with me to come on board? And I may not necessarily pay them, or if I do compensate them, it might be compensating them a meal or compensating their transportation or maybe if they have to rent specialized equipment and do that, but it wouldn't be like full compensation where I'm just paying them money to do it. However, I don't now, I don't only own the content that they produce. We can share that content. Mm -hmm. And what I'll do is I'll create a narrative. I'll promote the African Fashion Week Toronto event, which is was absolutely fabulous. If you didn't go, you missed everything. Ah. If there's only one, if there's only one event to go to this year, especially if you appreciate African culture, which is everybody, you need you needed to be at this event. But I can now promote the event through all kinds of content, whether it's video, whether it's you know 30 second shorts, whether it's a podcast where I'm talking to uh, one of the designers or one of the stylists, um, whether it's a magazine article, 
And I'm not only promoting that event, but I'm promoting my videographers and my photographers. Um, I'm letting them use that as part of their reel. Um, they can now refer to the content that I've published on my website. Um, in their portfolio, they can circulate it. So we have to find ways that when we work together, we're leveraging each other's abilities, but we're also empowering each other. We're exposing them to wider markets. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really, really important. And it, it helps us to get farther, faster. Because if I had to save up enough money before I could really produce quality content to cover this event, it might be two, three years from now. Whereas if I had a more collaborative approach, everybody benefits and we all benefit now and we can leverage that. And that's exactly what I did with um, African Fashion Week. You know, uh, the videographer that I used ended up, someone saw his footage and he ended up getting two jobs, paying jobs nice. because of the, the, the footage that, the reel that he put together for me. So a lot of us, it's just, you know, we don't want to share the limelight. We don't want to share the glory. We don't want to share our opportunities, but there's so much power in that. Yes. You know, the perception and then the perception from other people, if I want my name on everything, that's great. You can do it all, but do, should you do it all? If I, if I have other people's name on the content on my website, then it, it, it puts me in a position that whether I'm paying people or not, I'm giving people opportunities. I'm employing people. I'm an employer. I'm an empower. I'm someone who's distributing opportunities to my community. And that's a really strong perception to have. Def oh, can, can you say that again three times? Because <laughs> that is <laughs> truth. It's very true. We tend to, and that happens a lot with, as being a creative person, you can sometimes have a very silo approach and you, you, you tend to kind of stay within your space or I'm just going to do this for me. And not realizing in a way you, you, you plateau um, your work and instead of helping elevate. And, and I tend to, in my experience as well, elevate when you collaborate, you know, collaboration yep. helps elevate you and others and your business. It drives traffic. It drives more business. It's uh, very um, beneficial in improving what you do as a, as a creator and you learn, you grow and you learn from these experiences as well. Absolutely. All the big enterprises that we look at and admire and they're so accomplished, none of them are doing anything on their own. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. it takes a team of people and you may not be in a position to hire a team right away, but you can still work as a team and share the benefits of what you create. And that's really what it's about being collaborative is Hey, how could this one thing that we produce together benefit you just as much as it benefits me, just as much as it benefits the makeup artist and just as much of, as it benefits the hairstylist and the model. And it's everybody brainstorming to find a way for everyone to leverage that production. Mm -hmm. It's powerful. So you have a nearing September issue coming up. You've mentioned that in this issue, African Fashion Week will be uh, uh, part of yes. the issue. Yes. Yeah, so we're about to launch the a series of content based and inspired on African Fashion Week, uh, which happened about two weeks ago. Um, 
And I guess I'll talk a little bit about the hiatus that Neri's been on. You know, we've been dealing with a lot of personal stuff, um, finalizing the adoption of my son. And so it really required for me to halt and take a long pause. Um, but we're really excited because we're about to officially relaunch the consistent publication uh, in February of 2020. Yeah. And so what we're, <laughs> what we're doing is we're getting ready. Um, I had the opportunity, I was offered the opportunity to cover African Fashion Week, which is something I wanted to do for years and just could never do it. Um, and so I decided to do a September issue. And we're going to be talking about um, the uh, awarded top model of the year, uh, Rock, uh, Roxanne Laquinoise, um, the um, this reigning uh, African couture a genius. Uh, he's, his, um, he designs for the Africana line. His uh, name is Adebayo Jones. And when you see his stuff, you're just gonna, it's just amazing, just amazing. Um, but it's just, I want to profile a lot of the people behind the event. I want to talk about not just the models and the clothing. And I want to talk about the designers and the stylists because one thing that really impacted me when I went there was my first time at the event, but this is such an amazing and professional production. And it's one of those things that is hidden in the darkness. Mm. It's one of those things. It's that very nearing. Miri shed light on this because this is African Fashion Week Toronto is second to me. It's like it it's just as big as potentially just as big as it's New York Fashion Week, right? As New York Fashion mm -hmm. Week, or it's incredible. There's designers coming from all over the world. Really? And you know, I didn't know yeah, that. I mean. One of the designers, her stuff was beyond words. Um, Fatuma Asha, she's from Uganda. You know, I happened to just literally just started a conversation with her. I had no idea who she was. And when I saw her stuff, I couldn't even believe it. It's a testament to who we are. We're missing out on our greatness. And so that's really the purpose of the September issue. It's going to be a long conversation. I'm starting a long conversation with this, this uh, issue, talking about, you know, who these people are, uh, what they do, how they do it. Um, and it's my hope that it's going to generate a lot of interest and a lot of people outside of the African community will be attending these shows because they're, they're just, they're awesome. Well, I'm, I'm excited about the September issue. You're also uh, relaunching or launching anointedmom.com as well, the blog. Is that coming well, back? Anointed mom. Yeah, I'm doing quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Probably too much. But um, yeah, I am also launching anointedmom.com. Um, that is basically going to be the blog to my uh, very very, very, uh, the documentation of my very busy life. Uh, I'm an adoptive mom of three sibling boys and it's crazy. Um, but one of the things that I realized is that um, there, I'm in, I'm living this constant struggle of, you know, running a media company and handling clients and then handling my household 
and you know helping these boys develop into black men and uh there's a really amazing story it's a very beautiful experience and um i'm really blessed to to have this experience and i and i can see just from my social media that it's blessing others uh people you know keeping into the mayhem of our lives and you know uh showing them the development of my kids and how they grow and the crazy things that ensue. It's its something that uh, it's been a long time coming, you know, and I'm going to share that. I'm, so. e- I'm excited and I'll have to, we'll have to invite you back on the show once that blog is up and once it's back <laughs> up and going and we'll talk about that further. I know yeah, you've talked about then- it in so many other platforms about your journey as as a mother, as an adoptive, like um, uh, adoptive mother as well. Um, so that's, yeah, we're going to have to invite you back <laughs> for sure. More yeah, conversation on me, that. I'll definitely, I'll definitely be back for sure. Chantel, thank you so much for being on the show. Neary's Magazine is a platform that just showcases the originators, creators, renegades, you know, uh, people who are paving, you know, creating uh, the road to 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 their greatness and celebrate their innovation of the innovation of people of color and I'm uh it's a great great website check it out definitely go to neerimagazine.com that's n e r i magazine.com and uh and I can't wait to have you back on the show for anointed anointedmom.com and any other conversation that we'll have you know, to talk about content creation. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And thanks for this podcast. It's a great, great, great endeavor. And I'm looking forward to hearing more of your stories as well. Thank you. With a prominent focus on Black artists, their ofs are background for the captivating editorial videos and soon podcasts that Neary Magazine's audience returns to experience time and time again. Neary is a beautiful beast and unlike other online publication, when it comes to professing your greatness and converting traffic into engagement, she can't be tamed. Visit NeeriMagazine.com and let Chantal know how you found out about her content. Thanks for joining us this week on Black Canadian Content Creators Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by simply searching for Black Canadian CC. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, or via RSS so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I would really appreciate a rating on iTunes or comment on Spotify that I may read on the show. To be part of the group, visit bit.ly forward slash BlackCanadianCC. Make sure the B is in caps, the C is in caps, and the last CCs are in caps too. And uh, that's a great way to interact with me in the group or when you just go to Facebook, look for the group Black Canadian Content Creators. Thanks so much for tuning in and uh, I'll talk to you next time. Can't wait for you to hear the next content creators that you need to know. Bye!
Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired their personal trainer as a caterer. All right, folks, let's keep this line moving. You there with the tongs. Picking up one Dutch's potato at a time will not cut it at my catering table. Drop and give me 50. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Okay, this is what we call the wild mushroom and asparagus dip, dip, and press. Come on, let's get those plates above your heads. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.